All right. Well, good morning, y'all. And in the immortal words of Monty Python's Flying Circus, and now it's time for something different. If you are newer to Machias Community Church, I want you to know that what's about to happen over the next few minutes is not standard operating procedure for us. This past week, uh, Drea and I and a gaggle of other village missionaries were at uh, the annual Village Mission Staff Conference down in Cannon Beach. Uh, Village missionaries from three different districts converged on and invaded uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon. And it was an opportunity for us to reconnect uh, with each other as village missionaries and to be reminded of the reason why we serve with village missions and also get some additional training and encouragement along the way. While we were there, John Adams, the executive director for Village Missions, let us know that essentially no village missionary has to preach today because he's going to do it for us. Uh, As a thank you uh, to you, Machias Community Church, uh, John Adams has uh, put together a little bit of a thank you video, but also some instruction uh, from God's word about why we do what we do. Now, we've shown Village Missions videos in the past. I don't know that any of them rival this one in length. This is not going to be a short two-minute highlight commercial video. Uh, This is going to be roughly 14 minutes long, and you're going to get to hear from John Adams and his heart for what we do as Village Missionaries for our partnership with Village Missions. I would remind you that Machias Community Church has been in partnership with Village Missions since 1958. Village Missions has existed since 1948. So just 10 years after the start of Village Missions is when Machias became a part of the Village Missions family. Village Missions' aim is to help country churches thrive. Now, admittedly, our community has changed a bit since 1958. In 1958, this was the boondocks. This was the middle of nowhere. Fast forward roughly 65 years, well, just shy of 65 years, and it seems to be a competition between Snohomish and Lake Stevens to see who's going to gobble us up first and annex us. But we still gladly serve and partner with Village Missions for accomplishing the goal of helping country churches thrive. And I would be remiss if I did not do this. We have a couple of extra Village Missions guests with us this morning. So Amanda Puffer, representing the Puffers of Morton, Washington, is here. So y'all make sure you say hello to her, touch her, hug her, encourage her. And Randy and Lisa Picklesheimer, where'd you guys go? There you are. Uh, district representatives for Flyover Country. That's not the name of the district. What's Heartland. the Heartland District, which I think... Touches like nine different states. It's a lot. And uh, both the Puffers and the Picklesimers have a long history here at Machias and been sent out uh, by uh, Machias Community Church. And uh, we're glad to have you here. Did I miss any other village missionaries this morning that snuck in without me knowing? Okay, good. Crisis averted. So uh, for the next few moments, I would ask you to fix your gaze on the screen behind me uh, and listen to John Adams. And for those of you that are watching at home, just know that we know there's a little bit of a lag in um, what you're seeing and what you're hearing. 
it's kind of beyond our control, so do your best to keep up, and um, we're sorry for the inconvenience. Keep your comments to a minimum. We're doing what we can. So, uh, <laughs> faithfulness is going to be the theme of where John Adams takes us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. Let's listen to John. Greetings from Village Missions. We've asked every village missionary to share this message with you, the church that they've been called to serve. We want you to know that we appreciate your investment in sending your village missionary to staff conference. At our staff conferences, we focused on what it takes to be a faithful leader, someone who is effectively serving Christ long-term. And you helped your missionary get there, so thank you for your investment. And we wanna thank you for your partnership with Village Missions. You were on the front lines of the work God has called us to do, serving in rural communities, small towns, you're living out your faith where God has placed you, and you're a part of his work in reaching people who would not otherwise be reached. You already know that church planters and denominations are not sending people to the community where you live. But Village Missions is convinced that God has commissioned us to make sure that the gospel is alive and well, visible and spoken in the community where you live. And in partnership with Village Missions, you're helping that happen in 187 communities across the United States. Thank you for your partnership with your missionary and with us as a mission. The most important part of that partnership is how you're living out your faith. As you love your families, as you raise kids if you have them, as you interact with your friends and your neighbors, as you're a citizen in your community, you're demonstrating the power of the gospel as God changes your character, as he grows you towards maturity, people are seeing real life change. And God uses that to persuade them that the gospel is worth believing. The Apostle Paul spoke to a church in Corinth, ordinary people who were living out their faith where God had placed them. And many of the things he said to them are exactly what you and I need to hear. God has placed us as ordinary people among folks who don't know Christ yet. So let's take a look at that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, last few verses from 26 on into the start of chapter 2. Beginning in verse 26, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. God chose in the first century people that were not influential, not the most wealthy, not the most powerful, and yet those are the very people God used to turn the world upside down. He's doing the same thing today. He invites ordinary people to follow him with their whole heart. We may not be the most influential in our nation. We may not be the people everyone aspires to be, but we can be exactly the people God is using 
to prove to the world it's not our wisdom, it's not our wealth, it's not our intelligence that qualifies us to spend eternity with him. It's a recognition that we need what he alone offers. So the Apostle Paul said that to the church in, in the first century in Corinth. And then he went on to say, because God is using people like us, ordinary people, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. And then he lists those things God has done for us through our relationship with Christ. He's given us better than the world could dream as we put all of our trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Christ has made us right with God. He's restored a relationship. He's made us pure and holy. He's changing our character. And he's freed us from the power of sin. He's broken the stranglehold that sin had on us. And he's set us free so we can live lives that point others to Jesus Christ. Therefore, scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord or boast only in your relationship with the Lord. Have confidence only in your relationship with him, not who you are, but who he's called you to be. As he invites us into that relationship, God enables us to be the kind of witness other people can see and believe. And in fact, he sends us out. Paul immediately moves into that next section in chapter two. They didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Instead, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. My message and my preaching were very plain. And then he goes on to say, I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So God is calling us as ordinary people to go to the communities where he's placed us to share the hope we have in Christ to do that as people who are being transformed by the work of his Holy Spirit. And our job as folks in those communities representing Christ is to just point to the Jesus we know. We don't have to have flowery words or impressive speech. Instead, we can simply testify to the Jesus we've trusted and the work he's doing in our lives. God has placed you in a community for more than just being a church family. He's placed you as his instrument to reach your friends, your neighbors, your whole community with the good news of Jesus. In many places where we serve as a mission, where we have a partnership, one of the questions to ask would be who would tell the folks in this community about Jesus if this church didn't exist? In some places, there are other churches teaching the Bible. But is it possible to have too great a witness, too effective a witness to the gospel? That's our mission as village missions, to go to places other people are not going. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said he was going to send people to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. In the first century, Jerusalem was the city. 50,000 people in the city at that point. And Judea is surrounding that city. So in our day, Jerusalem would be the big city and Judea would be the suburbs. And church planters are going to both of those places. That's excellent, but that's not what we do. We believe God has called us to Samaria. It's a place other people aren't going. In the first century, Samaria was a place for outcasts. No Jewish person wanted to go there. There was religious animosity and ethnic division. That's not the same today, but church planters are not going to rural communities. Denominations are not starting new churches out where Village Missions has been called to serve. We're convinced that the people in rural communities also need to hear the gospel and see it lived out in a way that they too could turn to Christ. 
So that's what our mission is about. And you are on the front lines of that as a partner church with us. I wanna give you a quick update about some of the things that are occurring with Village Missions right now. You can see by the map that we're in partnership with 187 fields across the United States. You can see by the chart that over the years, we've seen a decline in the number of fields that have partnered with Village Missions and the number of missionaries. And there's a gap, 165 missionaries at the start of this year, 185 fields. Um, we've increased by two fields. One left us and we've added three more so far this year. One of the changes we're making to improve our retention and the, the length of time missionaries serve with us is to increase the district rep's ability to connect with missionaries in their district. We did that by moving from six districts to eight, reducing the number of missionaries that a DR cares for. And that's intentional. We want missionaries to serve long-term, effectively, to be healthy emotionally, spiritually, and relationally, and to, to live and to serve in their community in a way that makes a difference over many decades. One of the new changes we've made is a partnership with Peace Haven Ministries. In 1996, village missionary Bill Wayland launched Peace Haven Ministries and it's ministered to hundreds of village missionaries over the years. This year, we've increased our level of partnership with them and we're moving from reactive in terms of caring for missionaries who are struggling to expanding that to investing in the lives of missionaries early on in their ministry career with village missions. They'll be invited in small groups to come to Peace Haven for some proactive coaching between years two and three of their service with the mission. We wanna help people as they're beginning to see challenges, get things lined up so they can serve faithfully and effectively long-term. Our greatest need across the mission is new missionaries. And we have several avenues where we're looking for those missionaries. Contenders Discipleship Initiative is one of those. We have 27 folks who've completed contenders and served as a missionary, most of those continuing to serve right now. But there are other folks in that pipeline preparing to serve with Village Missions. Second new development is an on-ramp partnership with three different Bible colleges, Calvary University, Frontier School of the Bible, and Montana Bible College. At those three schools, students will be taking four credit classes during their training They'll take some internships in the summer, and we anticipate that that will be a good source of missionaries who can serve with us long-term. And then we're online, uh, we've partnered with Christianity Today in a pastor's edition, and we rely on word of mouth. And maybe there's someone in your church family who knows someone who could serve effectively as a village missionary. We'd love for you to help us connect them to village missions and the possibility of serving God with us. Because we're partners together in ministry, we believe you need to know how things are going financially. And God is blessing us. He's provided every dollar that's needed to do the work of ministry at this point. And you can see by the chart, our income in the last fiscal year that ended in 2021 was $8.9 million. 47% of those resources came from partners of village missionaries. Another 20% came from partners for the mission as a whole. 17% of the resources came from churches that are served by village missions. 7% from village missionaries and then nine from some other sources. And then I wanna show you how those funds are spent. 
Our expenses in 2021 were $7.8 million. 67% of those resources went directly to village missionaries. And then there's some additional funds that benefit village missionaries. 8% for the district representative mission, another 5% uh, to pay down our pension responsibilities for village missionaries and retired village missionaries. We made a promise many years ago in our defined benefit plan to missionaries who would retire. And that obligation is something that requires ongoing contribution from village missions. We've taken steps to limit that. And one of these days, all of the funds needed for missionaries who have retired and will retire will already be stored up in investments and we will no longer need to contribute to that. But right now that's 5% budget. 3% to staff conferences. That makes a total of 83% of our expenses going directly to benefit village missionaries. Another 2% went to CDI and retirement apartments. 5% to stewardship and 1% to the overall administration of the mission. Since 1948, village missions has had a single purpose, to focus on communities where no one else is going, to make sure that there's a credible gospel witness in those rural communities and small towns. We do that by sending, coaching, and encouraging a village missionary family to lead the way in caring for the church and reaching out into the community with the gospel. You're a church family in one of those communities. You are a part of God's work. Ordinary people commissioned to take an extraordinary message. The good news that God actually loves you, he wants a relationship with you, and to take that and to share it in ways that your friends and your neighbors can hear and believe. So let me encourage you, one of these days Christ will return or he'll call you home. Be intentional about living out your faith and sharing the hope you have with the people God has already placed in your life. You are where you are for a reason, a divine reason, a supernatural reason. So we wanna encourage you as partners with Village Missions to live out your faith in a way that will change eternity. I think John would be mortified to know that that's where it froze. <laughs> One of the things that we as village missionaries were challenged to do when we came back on this first Sunday following conference is to attempt to share with you the highlights. And that would be difficult to synthesize a week worth of uh, conversations and activity and teaching um, and to do it in a way that would be um, helpful for you, but also even moderately interesting. So I'm just going to give you three uh, big points, and I'll do my best to illustrate them well. That's the first one, that God is faithful. Over the last week, there was, I don't know how many of us, there, there was a bunch of us. I think once you included kids, there was roughly like 220 uh, of us that were there. And in the sheer volume of conversations that Dre and I were able to have with other village missionaries, this is a theme that kept popping up over and over again, that God is faithful. As you can imagine, the past uh, two years have not been easy on anybody, 
Um, but it's been a challenge for sure for many of our village missionaries. Some have weathered incredible storms because of guidelines and regulations that their community has imposed upon them because of challenges in the church that have arisen because of what's been going on around us. And yet God is faithful. We got to hear stories of God miraculously providing in unique ways, either for village missionaries or for the fields they serve or for individuals within their church families. Just miraculous provision that God delivers. It reminds us that God is faithful. At the same time, we heard stories of deep pain and hurts and wounds. And while they were honest about their woundedness, there was an overriding message that God is faithful and that he will sustain them. God is faithful is not just something that we want to treat lightly, but that it becomes a core truth that we center ourselves on over and over and over again. Psalm 89. Now, I have to confess this. Um, I love this psalm for two reasons. One, because of what it says, but also because of the author's name. Psalm 89 was written by Ethan. And Ethan wrote this. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said... Steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. Are we prepared to sing of the steadfast love of the Lord? And will we make known his faithfulness to us? Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And the rest of that psalm recounts different ways that God has shown himself faithful to his people. Psalm 78 is a very long psalm, but it does a similar thing in that it recounts God's faithfulness to his people. Even when they were being unfaithful, God didn't have a choice. He chose to be faithful in that. God faithful. God is faithful when things are going awesome and every day is sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops. But God's also faithful when days are filled with dark clouds, heavy storms, and bleak emotions. God is faithful. Which gets us number two. If that's true, then we're called to be faithful. As followers of the risen Christ, we are called to mimic God's character. Imperfectly, of course, 
But the aim and the goal is to mimic his character. He's asked us to be faithful. He's asked us to be faithful in our following of him. He didn't put conditions on that. He didn't say that we're called to be faithful when things are going well and only then. And that when things are not going well, you can have a free-for-all. We're called to be faithful at all times. Village Missions operates by a different set of rules and metrics than your average church. Of course, there is the importance of recording how many people were in church, what was the giving like. But for village missions, that only tells a portion of the story. The measurement they use is faithfulness. Are you being faithful? We're called to be faithful. I sat in admiration of many village missionaries who, as they recounted what's been going on in their lives, in their homes, and in their churches. Not all the news was awesome, and yet they were committed to being faithful to what God had asked them to do. Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. We're called to be faithful, but we have to acknowledge that we don't always do that well. There are gaps. There are um, evidences of brokenness that impedes our ability to be consistently faithful. And God's response to that is to be faithful to us. Joe Morell is a village missionary in Pine Valley, California. He was one of the speakers this week. Joe has a unique story. He was a village missionary that became a district representative that went back to becoming a village missionary. And he taught on this passage uh, far more better than I'm doing right now. And towards the end of that, he encouraged us To check ourselves and to ask if there were areas in our lives that we needed to confess and to repent where we had not been faithful. And I would ask you to do the same. Knowing that when you confess it, 1 John tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And God remains faithful because God is faithful. I would encourage you to evaluate yourself, invite the work of the Holy Spirit 
to look in you and identify those spots. I wish I could tell you that I walked away from Joe's message with nothing to do except to go get coffee. But instead, it required me to do what he asked and to confess to him ways that I've not been faithful. Hopefully not willfully, hopefully not intentionally, hopefully not in a rebellious way, but just acknowledging I can't do this perfectly. We're called to be faithful. And God's Spirit is the one that enables us to be able to do that. So number one, God is faithful. Number two, we're called to be faithful. Number three, Jesus sees our faithfulness. That's the interesting thing about faithfulness. How do you measure that? We can measure so many other things about our Christian experience. How do you measure faithfulness? I don't have a clue. It is unfortunately much easier to measure unfaithfulness. But we're called to be faithful regardless of any attention that might be given to it. Matter of fact, for most of you that are in this room, you live very faithful lives and conduct yourselves in faithful ways, day in, day out, and nobody has a clue. You're doing things on your own. Either personal work between you and the Lord, or unique ways that you serve church members, family members, people in the community, and it doesn't make the headlines. Most of you who are faithful do a really good job of not yelling out to everybody how faithful you've been. I want you to know this, that even if nobody else around you notices, Jesus sees your faithfulness. And I dare you to tell me whose gaze on your faithfulness means more than his. Is it good enough for you that Jesus sees your faithfulness? There's a parable that Jesus shares in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 25. It's about three individuals that were entrusted with a certain amount of money while the master was away. Now, of the three, two did really well. One, not so much. We're not going to talk about him this morning. But for the other two who took what the master had given to, to them, And then produced more as a result of it. This is what the master said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Our master is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
And there are things that he has entrusted to us and he's asked us to use for his glory. And since God is faithful and we're called to be faithful, my hope and my prayer is that we individually but also as a church family would make good use of what he has entrusted to us so that we can hear these words, which we might not hear on earth, but there will come a day where we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And recognize that he gives that with joy. Jesus sees your faithfulness. Even when nobody else does and nobody else seems to really give a flying rip about what you may or may not be doing. Jesus sees it. That makes for a really soft pillow at night. When you know that you have been faithful to what he has asked you to do. And you know that he has seen it. So I encourage you, church family, to continue to pursue that level of radical faithfulness. You're going to blow it. God remains faithful. Rely on the Spirit's work to do within you what you cannot do. And I want to reiterate what John has said. Thank you for your faithfulness to the work of Village Missions. Again, almost 65 years that this church has been partnered with Village Missions. We will not know on this side of eternity the fruit that has been born out of that lengthy partnership and your generous partnership with Village Missions. My prayer is that whatever it is that is happening now will grow and blossom and continue as we remain faithful to his call. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you cannot deny yourself. You will always, always be faithful. We thank you for the work of Village Missions since 1948 to faithfully serve rural churches and communities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Sending people to places that nobody's heard of to toil and serve and delight in obscurity. We recognize that there's no village missionary that's ever going to get invited to a high-profile pastor's conference as a guest speaker. None of them will have significant platforms. Very few of them will write books. But they will love and serve the community that you've sent them to. And I pray for your daily encouragement for village missionaries Thank you for the ways that you have used this church family to partner with Village Missions. Thank you for the missionaries that have been sent out from Machias to go and faithfully serve in little-known, far-flung places. Thank you for this church's generosity 
and continuing to give above and beyond to support the work of helping the country churches to thrive. Thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church family. You've met every single one of our needs and you've even gone above and beyond and even gave us a few of our wants. Thank you for your faithfulness to honor your promise to rescue and redeem sinners. Thank you for your faithfulness in sending your son to the cross to die a death that we should have died, to have suffered the penalty that we should have suffered so that we could have eternity with you. Thank you for your faithfulness in that you've not left us to ourselves, but you have granted us the gift of your spirit, the power of your word, and the connection with your people to help us to grow more and more into the likeness of your son. Thank you for your faithfulness when things have been awesome and we feel like we are overwhelmed with blessing. And thank you for your faithfulness when the days always seem dark. Thank you for your faithfulness in meeting with us now. I pray you would help us to find the gaps. Areas where we've not been faithful. And I pray it's not been out of rebellion, but just out of negligence. But Lord, help us to identify those areas. And to confess them to you. And to ask you to do within us what we are unable to do on our own. We need your spirit to walk in faithfulness, to honor this command that you have given to us. So I pray you would build within each one of us a yearning desire to rely on your spirit. And thank you that you're faithful to honor that kind of request. That's something that you can say yes to. Father, we thank you for your goodness We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your faithfulness. Amen.